0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
1: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Corey Cambridge, host of the Silent Giants podcast. Before we get into the latest episode of the show, I just want to share with you my newest single called LA California, which features legacy Foster on vocals and is co-produced by myself and my really, really good friend, Richie Quake. This song is available now on Spotify, Apple, Tidal, and wherever you listen to music. Please check it out. Let me know what you think. It was round two, three, you, me, through streets, in an Uber XL, I was thinking truthfully, usually, they gotta get used to me. But you and I mesh well I'm the one you can confide in On the way driving, girl, I was learning you Told me you were sweet to your man How you treated your man In the end, he deserted you It's a shame, huh? You better back home, now, nah. ain't the same, huh? When you wanna escape, who you run to? When the nights get cold and the nights get lonely I tell you right now what we gon' do Finally,
0: we arrive in this time Can't wait to let you in Get inside with you L.A. California. She said, I want to leave the city a million times. I say,
1: girl, you're taking off when I'm with you. Yeah. She said, I want to see L.A. California. She
0: said, I want to leave the city in million times. I say, girl, you're taking off when I'm with you.
1: Uh, from a small town of Texas. Well, there you have it. That's my song, L.A. California, featuring Legacy Foster and co-produced by Richie Quake. Once again, you can find this song on Spotify, Apple, Tidal, and wherever you listen to music. Now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Alley. Alley, powered by Verizon Locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators, Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Ali, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. Now, on to my episode with Rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah everybody tuning in you invited you invited no matter what mood you in get excited get excited everybody love the music let me tell you how they do it whether writer or an agent let me tell you how they made it you are now talking to a silent giant want to walk in their shoes silent giants want to study they move silent giants want to know what they do silent giants silent giants (laughs) y'all welcome to the silent giants podcast a podcast highlighting the superstars behind Joyful Superstars and creative industries. I'm your host Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at @silentgiantspodcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. This week's episode is with special guest Rhetoric. Rhetoric is one of my good friends from Virginia who has made quite a name for himself DJing behind Grammy-nominated rap star Logic, along with many others. I met up with him on his tour bus after a show at Madison Square Garden to chat about his upbringing, how he got into DJing, how he started DJing for Logic, life on tour, and his new role as a performing artist. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the DJ, producer, performing artist, my friend, the silent giant, rhetoric.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I was just at my manager's place. I was like, yeah, I'm doing a podcast He was like, wait, you said yes to something? I was like, yeah Because, <laughs> uh, you know, while I was DJing DJing was never really the long-term goal Yeah It was, was kind of just not got out of It got out of hand in the best way possible Because, um, I mean, I guess when I met you I was still just playing guitar Right And covering I, songs I, I and I was, I was like, yeah And I think it, Ace was a freshman And I was still a senior in high school And we would come up to like VCU you know, just try and get in and like see shows of the camel and be like, all right, well this is where I can come in and play my guitar and cover these songs and I met um sorry to even start into the story already. No, it's all I, right. I met what was his name? Andy. Remember Andy? Andy Uh it's white dude Andy it just sounds like an Andy. Um <laughs> that's it. You if know, Jamal Black Jamal <laughs> nah, if I said if I said Black Guy Andy you would be like, "Oh yeah, no, no right." Okay, exactly. 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 <laughs> oh, the one Andy in, in on the East Coast is black. Uh Sister named Shanice. No, yeah. Bugs Raleigh. Oh, what was Andy's last name? It was like Andy and Juan. Juan went by C4 at that time. But Andy, we were over there and uh, Ace Ace was playing guitar and stuff over there And I was Ace, playing guitar Ace, the, Ace Caldwood, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: Ace yeah Yo, I still yeah. see Ace all the time in the city
0: Yeah, he was the one that told me That you had commented on the Facebook Oh, he like, get He out. like screenshotted, screenshotted it, texted it to me He was like, yo, check it out You should do this
1: I still see Ace yeah. all the time in the
0: city, man That's a, Yeah Ace He's killing it Ace bleeds Richmond Yeah I, I don't care where he goes He for still sure. bleeds Richmond um, But yeah, we were over at his house And I remember seeing a Tech 1200 on the shelf And I was like, oh I, You know, I was thinking about getting into DJing and he was like, I think I was like 17 at the time. He was like, oh, what are you going to get? Um, well, I think I'm going to get some Tech 1200s and like a Vestax mixer. He's like, oh, you're going to be serious about it then. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'll guess i be a little serious about it. I, yeah. I like it. You know, I, I want to do the turntablism and stuff like that. And, you know, lo and behold, because it was always my passion to like create songs and be the writer and singer and all that. And DJing was just another outlet for me musically. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, once I got to college, it was just much more lucrative um, to to pick up DJing full time instead of trying to like cover be a, stuff be a, with the bars. Be a bar. Back. Yeah, be a. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty much a freaking bar back as a DJ for like the first few weeks. Um, but you, get, but you get girls
1: being the DJ. Uh, yeah, but I was I was so head down working in college. Right, but you can get girls yeah. being the DJ. You being could the, being the bar back is a little harder.
0: It is. It is. It's a little <laughs> bit harder. Um, but yeah, man. So the, all that to say, it was always, it just it got out of hand in the best way possible. And I I did. It's it's still one of my passions. Because
1: um, where are you from originally?
0: Uh, Chesapeake.
1: Chesapeake. What's it like growing up in Chesapeake?
0: Growing up in Chesapeake, it was cool, and I'm glad about where I was raised. I don't, I don't. I feel like it gave me a lot of stories. I don't feel like I could have flourished there. I had to get out. I always I always felt like I needed to get out. I didn't feel like um, that was. Exactly where I belonged Um, Even when I went to college I was like, okay, this is step one I feel better now that I'm out of Chesapeake Um, And then going to Richmond Richmond was the first place that I felt Where I could express myself However I wanted to Because it was a city It was still in Virginia So it felt familiar Right But it also had that city vibe And people, you know I mean, you know Richmond
1: and also, Virgin. I want to give some context of where we are. We are on a tour bus right now,
0: in the middle of Williamsburg. In the middle of Williamsburg.
1: My <laughs> well, first I'm on a tour bus.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. Which is su-
1: super fun. Well, welcome. Yeah. I was like, yo, on my story. I'm like, yo, so I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> podcast on the tour bus. That's yeah. pretty
0: dope. Oh, you can take your story in here too. That's all good.
1: <laughs> so, what was, uh, you know, what was it like for you growing up in Chesapeake? You know, musically, what was that? What was your first, you know, your first love? Was it sports? Was it music? Um, sports for sure was my first love. Where'd you play?
0: Uh, I played baseball. Okay. Baseball and volleyball in high school Um, Quit baseball uh, After My junior year uh, I just kind of lost the passion for it And I did track for my senior year So I did track and volleyball my senior year And almost went to state which was crazy Um, But music I picked up I'd always loved but I didn't realize Because you know neither of my parents Play instruments they don't sing nothing They love good music they have great music taste which I think really helped develop me musically, uh, but as far as instrumentation and technical skill,
1: they don't have any. Um, what was your What was your aspiration? You know, early on, as far as career path, that you wanted to go into?
0: Oh man, I went all over the place. I had career ADD. I remember sophomore year of uh, what was at high school. I thought I wanted to be a meteorologist. Then I was going to be a mechanical engineer. A- meter, uh, uh, meter, oh, then oh, I, I was going to be a civil engineer. Then I was going to be a mechanical engineer all the way up until I applied for college, and then I was like, screw it, I'm doing communication and poli sci. Then I get to college, and I don't want to do poli-sci. So I switched it over to communication in Spanish. And that's what I ended up graduating with. Oh, um, get out. Yeah.
1: And you went to Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, I went to Virginia Tech. Somehow, someway, graduated magna cum laude. <laughs> don't know how it happened. I remember I was on the tour bus when I got my grades. And I'm like, as long as I, you know, everything went through, I'm good. And at the, the bottom of it, I was like, magna Really? How? Because I'm finishing papers. I'm finishing. So I finished my communication degree my junior year. And um, or beginning of my senior year, I think maybe, and um, the Spanish degree I finished on the road. Okay. So I was writing essays. Uh, but back to the music thing, when I was a little little kid, when we got the recorders, you know, how everybody gets the recorder. Yeah. Um, and you play Hot Cross Buns or something like that. I would go home and watch Disney movies and learn the theme songs to that in a very elementary, you know, manner, and learn that, and then go in and play it for my teacher. And I think that's that was my first. That's my first real memory of loving music. I always loved music class. I love to sit there and watch the piano uh, or the music teacher play piano, um, picking up things by ear on instruments. I love that from a very young age. I didn't really pursue it until I was probably 12,
1: 13. Okay. And what was the first instrument? Guitar. Guitar. Yeah. Well, what was the first song you played? Uh, attempted to play. Attempted to play, yeah.
0: Uh, Over the Hills and Far Away, Led Zeppelin. Okay, oh, nice. Yeah. Well, it was because, so, it's, yeah. Did I play well? That's why I said <laughs> attempted. <laughs> I mean, you, you went for the stars, though. You yeah, Well, my parents had a painter at the time, and he was like this surf dude that lived in Costa Rica and had a Costa Rican wife and would take my skateboard in the driveway and do old school tricks. So I thought he was awesome because I'm like 11 years old, 12 years old. And um, he saw my guitar one day, and he asked if he could play it, and he played Over the Hills and Far Away. this was the first time I had ever seen anybody play guitar in front of me or any instrument other than, you know, music teacher playing, you know, whatever, or church people playing hymns. This was the first cool thing that I saw played in front of me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, now I really want to pursue it. Because I had taken guitar lessons because I knew I wanted to do guitar, but the guitar lessons were so boring and the dude smelled like cigarettes and I just wasn't about it. So I quit it until this guy came over, played Over the Hills and Far Away, and boop, snapped. And I knew I wanted to do it.
1: And so, uh, your parents, what do, they do, what do they do again for a career?
0: Um, my dad works for a company that does, like, different alloys and stuff for boats, shafts and stuff like that. Okay. So, I mean, pretty much the business side. And my mom is a stay-at-home mom with a lot of degrees. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. She's the best.
1: Well, what, did, what did she major in?
0: Uh, so, she got her... What did she do? Majored in business, got her master's in something, and then master another one in... Something for guidance, counseling, because she loves helping people. I don't know. She's so well-versed. It's, it's hard to remember. Are you the only child? No, 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 no. I'm the oldest.
1: Okay. How, how, yeah. how many siblings?
0: Uh, two younger ones. Okay. So my little sister is 22, and my little brother will be 16 in like a couple of weeks.
1: I'm, al- I'm always interested in that. That's like my favorite question to ask The folks. dynamic? Well, yeah, because that, that plays a humongous role in the shapings of, I would say, 90% of people that, that I've interviewed, what their parents have done. I mm-hmm. uh, did shaped who they were. So I interviewed like D'Angelo's engineer Bob Power, mm-hmm. for the Brown Sugar album. Dad's a producer. Uh, mom was a teacher. Now he, well, he, was, he he's a producer, but he's also the press, professor at NYU. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You always see That's those funny. like correlations between yeah uh, between everyone. So I'm always fascinated by that question.
0: Yeah, my parents were they were always the one that said get out, go somewhere. Get out, go somewhere. I guess maybe you know they're my parents. They recognize something in me. Um but I'd never had... There was, there was a time in my life, I think everybody, when you're role model, role models are your parents, they're like, well, if all else fails, I could do this because my dad and my mom look happy, so why don't I, you know? Right. Um, but they were always the ones to, no, do this, try this, do whatever you... As long as you... I remember the first time I came home from college, I was like, as long as um, you don't go to jail, you keep good grades, and I'm way too young to be a grandma, we are fine. I'm like okay, here we so, go. <laughs> yeah, Kevin and I, Barlow. Yeah, I, I get back to college, <laughs> and they're calling me, and they're like, "Oh, you know, what are you doing this weekend?" Oh, I'm actually in D.C. I'm like, uh, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm in D.C. I'm DJing this Mac Miller show at the time. They're like, "Oh, okay." And then from then on, it was just I caught the bug, and I knew that the, that voice in the back of my head was right. You know, that intuition was right about stuff. So I just kept following it until you know we're here. Because um, you were, so you were, but it was so different from my parents' past. But I, they were the fact that they actively told me to do my own thing. I think helped.
1: And so you, uh, so now let's say you're you're in high school. You finish up with with track, uh, and you're going off to college. Mm-hmm. The the pursuing music as a career is not in your vision of yourself.
0: No, because I still suck at DJ <laughs> And so you, you get, and the, I'm just I'm playing you know cover guitar. In in, I'm playing cover guitar. I'm writing some songs. I'm singing them to like girlfriends that I keep for two weeks. Um But no, not as a serious career. Definitely not. I hadn't seen anything. I th- I think I'd been to like two concerts in my life at that point. Three: The Eagles, brand new a Manchester Orchestra, and uh Steve Miller Band. Okay,
1: okay, yeah, those were the only three concerts I'd ever seen in my life. Wow, up to that point. And so you get to you get to Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. And what is your ex- your college experience like?
0: Uh, Immediately I get labeled as the DJ kid Because I have the DJ stuff in the dorm And I think that's what set it off for me I found uh, a DJ club right at the beginning But it kind of disbanded like four weeks into my freshman year And it was house parties I just started asking around and kind of meeting people And started to uh, DJ house parties And that was my college My college career started out as that's the DJ kid Oh, he's the DJ Kid. And there were a couple other DJs too, but I was trying to make my way in there. Um, but yeah, the DJ Kid. And I remember it was the African Student Association that gave me my first chance at a real house party. And that's what set it all off. So ASA and BSA and like the Alphas and, you know, the Kappas, all that. Which, I, yeah, I got into that before, like, you know, the notoriously white sororities I, I, and fraternities. <laughs> yeah. I am about to
1: say, like, yo, you got, you, you're the Eminem because yeah, kind of, <laughs> I mean, that, that's
0: what I knew what to play from high school. Like doing the house parties in high school, that's what I learned. That's how I learned to DJ. You know, there you can DJ reggae for an hour. I didn't know I didn't know pop music stuff yet. Mm. I mean, I hear it on the radio, but I didn't mix like 128 BPM stuff.
1: Because because that, that early experience being, you know, DJing for uh, like the African American um, organizations on or campus does that shape your your style of, of DJing at all. Hundred percent. And um, I
0: feel like I kind of brought that into the pop world once I said, I didn't start to get like the other fraternities and sororities until the athletes started coming to the parties. And then that, it was like a a domino effect from there. Because at Virginia Tech, the athletes were the coolest, whatever. And um, after the other sororities and fraternities saw that, they were like, oh, we should bring him into our you know, fraternity to do a party or our sorority to do a party, and maybe they'll show up to this. Uh, but, yeah, I was learning. Once I got to college was when I learned the pop side of DJing and, like, the
1: 128 BPMs and the, you know, whatever else it was. Was there a particular party that um, or moment at that time that stood out to you of, like, yo, I could do this. Like, this is something I'm meant to do.
0: Um, that was, uh, I did this Mac Miller show in 2010. So wait, so, how did it even come about, that opportunity? Uh, I did a, I opened a, I did a Nicholas F show at the Camel.
1: Nicholas F.
0: Yeah, did a Nicholas F show at the Camel that summer, the summer after my freshman year. And uh, so the summer after my freshman year was when stuff changed. I did Nick Nicholas F show at the Camel. I did a Travis Porter concert in uh, Blacksburg, at Virginia Tech. Okay, and um, I met this dude, Henny. In, uh, at the Nicholas F. show because he was opening up as a rapper But he also booked shows in Northern Virginia Like Springfield area um, He hit me up randomly on Facebook And was like, hey man, um, I have this show coming up If you want to DJ, have you ever heard of Mac Miller? And I googled so that I wouldn't be a liar And I googled and I looked at Mac Miller I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, I'm totally down, just let me know He's like, all right, uh, come out DJ for me. I don't think he has a DJ either. So if you can just DJ the whole show, I'll give you X amount of minuscule dollars. And I'm like, sure, I'm I'm about it. So I look up this Mac Miller guy. I'm like, cool. You know, this is 2010. He had just come out with his first mixtape Kids. And I went out there, and this was the first time I had ever done a concert concert. The Travis Porter concert was just at a club. Um, But this was a venue where I'm up on a riser and I'm talking to people and I have my own set and I'm DJing for all the opening rappers, but I DJ in between two. It was the first time I got to see what my personality is like in a show yeah. since. And uh, I I remember calling all best friends after that, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. This is my ticket to like get there. This is my ticket to d- get but, into the music industry. How,
1: how did he find you? Like, how did he know? How did Henny? Yeah.
0: Um, because he was rapping on the Nicholas F. show got And you. I had to DJ oh, for him
1: Got you, okay mm-hmm. So so he's at the Nicholas F. show rapping mm-hmm. He's opening
0: up And I was just I just happened to be the DJ there And he was like Well, I need a DJ for this show He was cool Let's Hit him on Facebook And see if he wants to go out
1: Now You get to D.C. Uh, and t- tell me tell me the story more in detail About like that experience So I drive, Did, I drive, you I drive
0: be- a 2000 Lincoln Navigator with no rear suspension. <laughs> Is that how much detail you want? Yes. Give me, yeah. give me all the detail. Uh, I I've, I've definitely remember it vividly. Uh, went out there in the Lincoln Navigator. All my DJ equipment. I had to take all my DJ equipment. I actually had a test the next day and homework to turn in that night. So while rappers would be on that had different DJs, I was doing my homework in the DJ booth. And by DJ booth, I mean on stage. I'd be sitting down below so nobody could see me. Typing on my computer while they're DJing up on the set. Yeah, so I'm doing all my homework. um, Eating whatever it was from McDonald's, like some off the dollar menu. That's how I survived. Did the show. I don't think I ended up getting paid at all. Uh, Had no place to sleep. So I drove halfway back to school. And um, there's this Holiday Inn in Front Royal. It's like right at the highway exchange to get back on whatever Jesus highway Christ. it was.
1: Front Royal, Virginia. I, yeah. I feel like I've never, can't believe I'm, I'm even hearing that. Yeah, Front Royal.
0: Uh, and I pulled into the Holiday Inn parking lot and moved my stuff around in the trunk of the Navigator and just passed out until probably, I don't know, six, seven in the morning, whenever the sun came up. And I drove the rest of the way to the school to get to my 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. class.
1: Now, now you didn't DJ in between the sets for. For Mac, you DJ for Mac on that uh, on that
0: I show. D- I DJed everything, so as long as the opening artist didn't have a DJ, I DJed all of it.
1: Wow! So what was it like getting uh, getting the tracks back? Was there a rehearsal?
0: No, uh, no. no rehearsal. No, uh, his manager Q just walked up with the USB and was like, "All right, I'm gonna stand here and tell you what you need to play." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Wow, and
1: what was what was it like meeting Mac for the first time?
0: I mean, they were just kids. We were all kids. I was 19. I think they were like 17 or something like ah. that. 18 or something I don't, know, I don't remember that, I think Q's like my age I haven't seen them since uh, I might have seen them once since Um, But yeah uh, it, it wasn't
1: like Buddy buddy anything I was the young thirsty DJ Like Wow You know what I mean Y'all all super young too at this time Yeah Cause Did it feel like? What was the feeling like Being up on stage You know Was it a packed house
0: Yeah it was sold out And that that was the thing too Is that was my first experience With anything sold out So it was It was crazy You know You're young too So that's you're 19 years old, and that's—it's nuts to you because I'd never done. I had only done parties,
1: and and from this moment, you you kind of realize, okay, well, I, I really like doing this.
0: Yeah, and it, well, and and it clicked to me that it was after that semester that I left my guitar at my parents' place. I said, if I'm really going to make it in this music industry, this is the ticket because I've never gotten a reaction like this ever from covering somebody else's song. You wow. Know what I mean? And it's starting to make money. Granted, I didn't get paid at that, but I get paid at the at the fraternity stuff, right? Albeit not that much, but it was you know
1: enough as a college student to get food. So, yeah. And and what what year is this for you in college? Your freshman year, sophomore year, sophomore beginning of sophomore year. Okay, okay. Yep. And so, what was like the next? Uh, you get back to tech, and what's like the next opportunity for you in your career? The like the next one
0: was a Big Sean and Mac Miller show, um, at UVA. Now, how do, you, how do you get booked for this? They had heard that I, it's all word of mouth, because th- there weren't that many people booking small shows like that. So they had heard that I had done somebody that was in that group, I forget which one of them it was, I think was at that Mac Miller show and was like, oh, that was the DJ at the Mac Miller show. We should ask him to come to the UVA student hip hop show with Mac Miller and Big Sean. And uh, my homie Ahad at the time was friends with the UVA guys. And he had shot, maybe that was who hooked it up. He had shot, oh man, that was, no. So the sleeping one was a different one. That one, uh, the dude Ahad, there were so many times that I slept in my car. I just <laughs> mix them all up. Ahad, the guy that took all my photos and video in college, God bless, because it was a lot. Um, he had come to the show and Henny was just like, oh, he goes to Virginia Tech, you go to Virginia Tech, can you take him back? It was like, okay, I've never met this dude. And it's, like, super early in the morning. And I'm just driving this guy back. But we ended up just talking, and he's trying not to pass out because we don't know each other. And that's, I think, who hooked up the next show, which was the Mac Miller Big Sean show. At that point, Mac had a DJ, my homie Clockwork. And um, I opened that show, and that was my second time really, you know, doing a crowd. And, you know, after that, I think I did another Big Sean show in Baltimore in December. And then I did... uh, this Wu Tang show with this dude Intellect, and uh, at the Norva. Oh, and Intellect! It, yeah.
1: Oh, Intellect is awesome.
0: Yeah. So it, it it was, the fall of my sophomore year was when I that was it. It changed. That that was, like I said. That where were you? Where are you? Oh, I'm in D.C. doing this Mac Miller show. Oh, my intuition's right. If these things are, you know, my parents are cool with it. I'm doing this. Right. It must be right. And I just started following it, and that's how I got all those things at once. And uh, you know just kind of let the universe do its thing.
1: Now, you're, you're DJing, you're getting all these different shows. What's your college life like? Are you still traveling like nonstop on the weekends? And like, are, are, like, what's your relationship with your teachers and your professors at this time?
0: Um, at first, it was tough. But once word of mouth traveled, Virginia Tech is, I wouldn't have chosen to go anywhere else in the world. Um, there's such a sense of community there. And at first, it was weird because I wasn't doing as much on campus. But once I started doing more stuff on campus, the teachers kind of knew. And um, you get in those higher-up classes, you're going to know your teachers more personally. And, um, yeah, they were just really cool about it. And I'd tell them, like, hey, I have something in New York. Hey, I have something in D.C. I will get you this assignment before I leave. Is it okay if I miss a couple extra classes over the... Because every single semester I missed up until the you're going to fail if you miss any more classes. Um Dates, but they were all really, really good about being flexible.
1: Wow. And so how did it come to be that? Because uh, all of a sudden, man, I looked on Instagram. I remember uh, you came up with Arnold. It was uh, Arnold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You came up with uh, um, oh my oh my God. Um, with Mo. UMO yeah. came up. And he came to my apartment in Bed-Stuy. And I remember mm-hmm. that. Oh, no, I was living here. Were I was, you living I here the living time? I was living in
0: Lower East Side, interning at uh, Cornerstone of Fader Magazine.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. Whoa. Okay. A, a, a like
0: logic. 2012. So after that was that was, it was a summer internship.
1: Goddess, you were living here. Because mm-hmm. how'd you end up becoming like logic DJ? Like how'd that happen?
0: Uh, that summer, same dude Henny was booking that show in DC.
1: Shout out to Henny, man.
0: Yeah. This, this dude right here is the Earth Angel. At uh at um at that same place. So it was pretty much the same place. Henny would just book a bunch of shows there, and I would just do all those shows. And That's kind of what. It was easy for him because i didn't really ask for money like that and um it gave me the exposure that i wanted so we were just it was just win-win right and um i went down and i had really heard of logic yet but i wasn't doing that much here at this point um in new york so i was like sure i'll take a bus down and i'd take a bus take the china bus down of all buses um slept in his studio with like a curtain over me that night and then woke up the next day and did the show but we get there and everybody's running late. It's Logic's first real tour with uh, Teja Bali, and, and he's like, "Man, I'm gonna be honest. You only got like ten minutes if you still want to DJ. I know you came all the way down. My bad. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm. I don't want to do it. And he was like, "You sure?". It's like, actually, you know what? Screw it. Ten minutes. Let's do it. So I went out, did it for ten minutes, um, and when I DJ, him. Super interactive guy. So I was like out on the speaker. I do like a little hip hop routine with it takes two, something like that, really on the mic. And um, Logic's one of...
1: Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Projects managers, uh, Harry saw me and grabbed me after the show. and was like, oh, you got to meet everybody. So I met everybody and we just kind of stayed in touch and uh, went out there. Skipped a week of school my senior year. Shout out to my teachers. Yo, Shout out Yeah Uh, Skipped a week of school My senior year Before spring break And worked on his Like just his scratches On his mixtape Welcome to Forever And um, I was going to DJ For his homie Castro On their first The Welcome to Forever tour And um, he asked me Right before I went back To school He was like Hey man Or no This was right before We went on that tour After I left school To go out for it He was like Hey After this You know Six isn't He's a producer He needs to produce um, do you want to be my DJ? And I'm like, yeah, totally. So something happened where they both had to get off tour, that first tour, and like four dates in, I became his DJ. Uh, what was that first uh, That first date on the tour? Uh, Colorado Springs, I think. And I didn't know any of the words to his stuff. You know, I didn't, well, I knew some of the words, but I didn't know enough to be his DJ, so I'm sitting there on Rap Genius. And he's like, what do you want? I'm like, Rap Genius. He said, not all those are right. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, and it, it was at that point where I was like, you know, a DJ, and it's really started. That's I. One day, I can't wait to come back to this music thing, but it's just not right now. Right. So I didn't right. even. I didn't even bring my when I moved out to LA with them. I didn't even bring my guitar. So, so it's all this pent up energy that's come back around to me.
1: So what what what, is, what goes into the the process of, um, you know, being a DJ on tour? Like, what is is there a part of like a, what is like a ritual or routine that you have to do? When you get to the venue, um, I uh, probably would have been better if you asked me
0: that like four years ago. Now it's now it's so it's just second nature. Yeah, at this point, I feel like I put in my ten thousand hours a couple times. Um, but it used to be when I so now I don't DJ as much anymore because I'm going into the artistry stuff. Right. Um, but when I was really heavy into it, it would be uh, you know, get to the get to the venue. Kind of go over the set for whatever city it was um, Feel out The people in line, go meet kids and all that uh, And just Make sure the set's good And then at that point I was opening the show Then I DJ for the opening rapper Then I DJ between the opening rapper And the next rapper, I DJ for the next rapper Then I DJ again And then um, The support act would go on And then I DJ for Logic Wow. And then I'd go out and sell beanies so it was, it was a long, long day. Wow. Uh, and that was the process every single day. And we were doing like 40, 50 day tours at that point.
1: It, it's a very uh, simple question that I have right now, but I always wonder this for every DJ, especially when I go out to parties. Like, how do you pee? Because <laughs> the DJ is always there. Hold it, or put on like a long
0: song, <laughs> or whatever the hit is. My my trick has always been uh put on the hit, yeah, and then once it gets to the first hook, run it back from the very tip-top, and then go pee. God, Because they're already hype enough, so they'll just ride through that whole song. You get back and you do your thing.
1: God, my, yo, that's such a long time. Yeah. Like, to not have to do simple things in life. Yeah. See, the thing is, I I think
0: that's when I knew that the artistry thing was my real passion, and, you know, DJing was just something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. There's a huge difference between things that you're passionate about. Like, I'm passionate about making this jacket that I have on, or, like, you know... So I'm still passionate about baseball. I love going out and hitting and throwing and stuff, but and DJing. Still passionate about DJing, but yeah. my real passion was sitting. I've never, when I sit down and write songs, like I don't know if you've heard my first one that came Shelter. out. Yeah, of course. Um, that I don't. I've never gotten a feeling like I did once I got that out of my body, yeah, in my mind. With anything else, that I've had. hitting a home run, freaking get DJing in front of fifty thousand people. Never felt the feeling of of completeness um, that I got from writing a song and putting it out and that's, it was when I started getting bigger into DJing and, you know, people would come and ask, oh, I want to manage you I can get you into this club, this club, and this club and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't really like clubs and I just tell them no and they're like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to do shows like, well, you're a hip hop DJ you got to produce things, so I'm sitting there trying to make remixes and I'm just not passionate about that because it's not about the music part isn't about that um, it's not about that in the music for me. I want to express myself. I don't want to, I didn't want it to be a, a, a way for me to get to the next level and do shows. Right. You know what I mean, I wanted it to be a part of me and making the remixes. Wasn't how I felt that. Um, so yeah, I just kept saying no to clubs, no to clubs, no to clubs. I do corporate parties, but no to clubs and just do shows. And, um, Finally got to the point I know I'm giving a lot of stuff And going back and forth no, your, okay. no, your, your poor narrative thing is <laughs> No, no, it, no it's, great. it's great It's like an ADD book right now um, What was I talking about? Got back to it <laughs> uh, was Yeah, just uh, Oh, saying no to clubs Just say no to clubs, kids uh, It finally got to the point where Once we had a year off Or not even a year off Probably eight months, six months off Last year from touring I was like, you know what? I have my guitar again. Let's just see what comes out. I'm going to write about stuff that is real. I'm not going to try and remix anything. Um, I'm not going to try and write stuff that I think will work. I'm going to write and produce what makes me feel good. It makes me feel complete. Yeah. And then that's how everything came out. And I was like, wow. So that was the passion. And it was such a relief. And I, it made me feel better about DJing. It made me feel about, better about every aspect of my
1: life. Cause that that thing that I buried down was real, right? Right. Because you know I mean? so you obviously have a, a natural love for DJing, but mm-hmm. the the entire time you had this this itching desire that you wanted to, to step out and be your your own artist, yeah. Uh, individually, what was that conversation like, or was there a conversation when you were like, "Look, I'm just um, with Logic or other folks you were DJing with, of like i 'Look, I'm gonna step away and do my own my own thing.' Was, was that was that conversation easy for you to? To, to have Or was it difficult Um Conversation was easy
0: Showing my music Was tough And mm. I was You know I'd hidden it for so long I showed it to I showed it to my parents They're like Oh this is cool Who's singing on it You know I, I even showed it to Ace And he asked who I Got to sing on it I'm like dude We used to Make covers in the bathroom While I was singing You know In high school Like you remember this Yeah So it was It was weird to Show people That I worked with that And And get their reaction, to, to to let them know, like, I'm you know, I'm really serious about this. And most of them were just like, oh, this makes sense. You know, it's a natural... If you watch any of my old DJing videos,
1: it seems like more of a natural progression than me doing clubs. And so, because the DJ... and I, I'm kind of going through the same thing as you, as far as, like, realizing, like, uh, you know, I love doing the podcast. It's, like, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh... In the world to do right now but also recognize i'm still an artist as well did you um uh how did djing prepare you to be an artist like what things did you learn Oh, it's the best thing of all time it was uh that's my past
0: four or five years of my life i guess four years have been priceless um it's a joke it's like music industry university i had the ability to tour with a pop artist has had a radio hit I've had the ability to tour with a hip-hop artist that's had a massively successful, what I think, if it's, I mean, I don't know when this podcast comes out, before or after it, Grammys, it, it, what I think either is or should have been Song of the Year. There's no way that, as far as impact goes on on humanity, what 1-800 did this year, you know, yeah. it should be the Song of the Year. Um, so I've had the opportunity to see the growth of both those artists from bedroom to, I mean, pretty much bedroom for Logic, but actually living in the same house as Belly and uh, see them grow while also having to maintain the right ear to know what people love while DJing. You know, I have mm. to make sure I know what they love and how much I can push those limits as a DJ in such a ADD culture. So that really helped my taste level grow. And um, although I, I've never worked in the studio with any of these artists, um, anybody that I've worked with. I've never... The only person that I've ever really been in the studio with is my homie Dot, and that was just because we're homies. Wow. And, um, yeah, so that, you know, it was priceless. DJing for sure shaped what you hear from you musically. And what about the, the... It's probably the most ADD podcast you've ever had.
1: No, no, no. It flows. <laughs> it flows like the James River. Yeah. What, what is... Uh, <laughs>
0: What is uh, oh, dirt. as dirty as it can be
1: hey man you know
0: Bell La shout out oh my God <laughs> great times at Bell Al. Uh
1: so what is the you know I'm very fascinated by uh, touring life and touring culture mm-hmm. and there's certain things like moving to New York that I was not prepared for until I moved here and then I'm like, oh shit I wish I had known this uh, Obviously touring seems very glamorous and very fun it seems mm-hmm. like very rock star. Uh, what is the thing that like most shocked you about uh, about touring that you wish you had known before?
0: Um, there's no such thing as personal space. Mm. I was definitely and there's no such thing as routine unless you try really hard. Um, it's I, I mean there's no such thing as a routine in the sense that most people have. Uh, it's a different shower every day if you get the shower. Um, sometimes it's cold water. It's different food every day. It's not what you want. It's whatever's there. I don't fit in the bed. Um, I like to run every day. Some places you just can't run, either the the spots in like a super junky area. I'll still run there, or it's just out in the middle of nowhere and it's just highways. So I'm doing stairs instead. Is there
1: of, a shower in the bus?
0: No, there's no shower on the bus.
1: Ooh, so if you're going yeah. on like on a, on a long distance,
0: yeah, trip. So, and and the thing is, when you start touring, you don't even have those luxuries. Um, you're sleeping on the floor in the hotel rooms because there's like two hotel rooms for 12 people. You know. You're just packing people in Because you're trying to save a dollar You're not You're having to pay food You're coming out of pocket I lost money on my first tours um, First two tours And It's I wasn't I think I, I'm i glad that it happened to me When I was so young um, Because I was I was just ready for anything Like I said The passion was there I didn't care what was coming out. I was sleeping in my car before So sleeping in another car wasn't, you know, right. I'm sleeping on a car in a car on tour now, so it didn't matter, but yeah, it's not it's much better now. Like you're on a tour bus. We didn't used to have a tour bus. This is the nice tour bus that we've had. Yeah, it's
1: just um, nice. Yeah. Nice leather seats. Yeah,
0: super nice. <laughs> and uh the Flat AC screens. works. Yeah, the AC works. All that. But I you know, I don't need that much. I feel like I don't I I mean my first song is like living out of a suitcase. Yeah. And and Um, The feelings of instability And yeah, I just I haven't felt stability in years Um, But I also I think what it's taught me Is I can make a home out of anywhere
1: Wow So And so You have the new single Shelter Shelter What were the first steps that you took To get that song out You know, from beginning to end
0: Like writing-wise? Or
1: You know, writing-wise Or or even even release Or getting like a a manager Or getting like, getting a team together. That's something that I think a lot of people don't recognize in the music business. A lot of people that, you know, want to become an artist just mm-hmm. know the artistry. But there's another aspect to it.
0: It's um, it's crazy, man. So this one I actually did uh, all myself. My homie Clay that does my management stuff, he helped me get on this site called STEM. Mm-hmm. I released it through there. Um, but as far as from writing up until the mastering stage, that was I did all of it. Um, I got this wonderful woman in L.A., Uh, Michelle Mancini to master the track after I'd engineered it and granted this time last year I didn't know a thing about frequencies I didn't know what a compressor did I didn't know any of this Mm. so it just got to the point where um, people you know it just made the most sense for me to learn how to engineer and engineer this song and and Know the ins and outs of it and get the frustration out and really feel connected to this song. And that's what I did. I just, I did it from start to finish, from an idea in my head until it was fully mixed. I did all that. Um, my homie Chuai shot the, uh, my photo, but I had this concept for the cover art that actually bleeds into the EP cover art. And um, I just, I knew I needed him to shoot me on a blank white background. And then I sent it to my homie Daryl And I was like I need the blue in the back And I need the frame at the top That I haven't revealed what it is yet um, Done And make it look kind of Vintage-y And um, he did that and then I sent him My handwriting for Shelter And he did that and then he sent that back to me As a PSD file So I tweaked it and Took the levels up where I needed to Took away some of the grittiness Placed my text and the logo and all that stuff on it and then I wrote my own press release. Wow. And then, and then I gave it uh, to my homie Nico that helps management stuff with Clay. And um, was like, can you put this into a MailChimp email blast to send out to um, all the fans that have bought like, merch and stuff from me over the years. So I did. we didn't do like a press anything. It was just, uh, here you go to everybody that's supported me thus far. This is what my real passion is. I hope you like it. And, um, you know, once the new year comes around, it'll be much more than that. But that that's how I wanted the first one to be. I, I really wanted to, not only did I want to do it myself to feel proud of it, I also wanted to learn the value of the people that I will have doing that for me in the future. Because a lot of artists don't understand that. They don't get, like, somebody spent hours on your cover art. Somebody spent right. hours tweaking that third snare layer in the second verse somebody spent five days contemplating whether the hammond should have been 3db louder on the intro you know not a lot of artists get that they get the end product like oh cool thanks right you know so now when i do have other people do that not only can i sit in there and tell them I want the LA2A compressor on those vocals and the saturator from Sound Toys that I always use. Please put that on there and take the gain up to this. You know what I mean? Right. I can do that, but I also understand if I send it to them and they send some magical, amazing product back, how much time that took, and like how much skill and how much not only time it took on that track, but time it took in their life to learn it. Mm. And um, that's that's the process that a lot of people and I didn't understand. I didn't. And you have to have it into the system like two, three weeks before you want it out. I didn't know any of that. I thought it was just drop and go. What, what do you mean by into the system? What is into uh, the distribution system. So you, you throw it up into if you want it to be anywhere, if you want things to go right. Oh, and then when it came out, they had uh, linked me under some German rapper named Rhetoric. So when it came out on Spotify, it was on somebody else's artist page no. and on Apple Music. Yeah. And they're like, oh, boy. And I'm in Switzerland at this point when it released. So I'm six hours ahead and I'm trying to like do the. So I learned a lot. and It was a great learning process. Um but yeah, I I feel like since that release it's just been go, 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 go for me and you're getting the back end of it right here. Wow. So I I finally get to rest, uh right whenever I sign this new lease. I'm and, just gonna come back up here and just sleep for forty eight hours.
1: Yeah, so you know, um what drove your decision to, to move back to New York versus LA or somewhere else around the world? Um well, it was an easy decision. This is the best city in the world. Hey. <laughs> it really is. I have uh,
0: I don't know. Whenever I'm here, I feel inspired. I can I can be going through the craziest time of my life um, and come to New York City and just feel right at home. Yeah. And that's how I felt from the day I first came here on like a couple days before my 21st birthday. Um, I came up here and visited the city for the first time. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I want to come back here. That's I had an internship at a, at a news station in Roanoke, and I quit that. I didn't quit it because I never started it, but I said, actually, I'm going to take... Uh, the fader one in New York for no pay. And I just figured that out. And I think I decided that I was going to do that and move to New York City um, in an apartment in Lower East Side within 10 days. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody up here, man. I used to watch Law and Order, and you know when it goes dung dung, and, and it shows where it is in the city? Like, it's like dung dung. Like uh, Lower East Side. The like Lower East Side. Ninth. Yeah. Avenue C. Yeah. I would write those down and I'd. Put them in my Google Maps and I take the train there and I pop out and I look around and see the neighborhood and then come back down on the train and go to the, And that's how I learned New York. No, I, I just that, wa- watch Law and Order by myself and go to all the addresses.
1: You know I think one thing uh, from, from talking to you in this interview that you're a person that really enjoys being in new scenarios mm-hmm. and not having something be, or you've gotten used to the fact that nothing in your life's been repetitive. Yeah. But new, an average day in New York is the same way. Like mm-hmm. You're not walking the same street. You're not going to meet the same people. Uh, you're going to have a totally different experience every single day. So it, it totally makes sense why you're here. Yeah, because it feels like you're a part of. Like it feels like you're touring, just even living here. Yeah,
0: it's it's a just from seeing the world and meeting so many people. Like that's 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 the biggest privilege from touring is um, getting to meet so many people, man, and and seeing so many different. I I truly feel that knowledge is just perspective, and I've gotten to see so many perspectives in life. You know, see the things see where I'm very privileged. And um, when you get to meet a lot of people and hear so many different stories, it makes you really appreciate everything. And uh, I think that's what I get all the time every single day in New York. I'll talk to a homeless dude, I'll talk to a crackhead that's going nuts. You know, you never know what's going on. They might just want a high that day. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, there's some days that I'm on my headphones and I just walk right on past. But I try my best. um, And that's why I like New York is it gives me that worldly feel. It's this. Earth microcosm in one little city. Everybody's squished together. You have a millionaire sitting next to a, somebody that just peed his pants on the train. You know, you never know.
1: And what would um, I guess to close out the interview? What would what would rhetoric say to you know now? How old are you now? I'm twenty six. Twenty six. So man, it was crazy, folks. We went in like college, were like twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm thirty. Dude, now. the first time,
0: the first time that we even. I think Yeah, the first time we met, I was like seventeen.
1: Yeah, super Seventeen
0: young. or 18. One of those two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I'm I had to be twenty, twenty one at the time. Yeah. So bonkers. But what would you say to yourself, um to like the fifteen or sixteen year old you? Don't hold the uniqueness back. Let
0: it flourish and I think one thing that I always tell people is if you want to be successful, one very easy way to do it is to follow the path of somebody else that has been successful before you. But if you do that, when you get to the finish line, the best you can do is second place. Hmm. If you do your own path and you beat through those same woods and you get to the end, it's a whole lot harder because you had to beat down that whole path your whole way, but you're in first place and you'll be able to be the inspiration for all the other people that go down that same path. And um, it's a scary thing sometimes. And it's, you know, you go through it in different stages, and I think I'm in another stage right now with the music stuff. And um, I think I would definitely tell 15-year-old me, follow that voice inside of your head. It's always let it be louder than all the other voices that are telling you that you can't do it. And um, that's why I hope to continually tell 15 year old Other people are You know my little brother's 15 And others You know Anybody It doesn't Age is so fake I just watched this Prince interview last night He was like I don't celebrate birthdays anymore
1: I, I think I saw the same interview
0: Yeah He was like I don't celebrate birthdays anymore I am no age And that's why the lady in the audience Just said You look the same as you do 10 years ago Because I don't age I quit birthdays Like, that's You know That's so real Just go out It's never too late Don't feel the pressure of time
1: You know And especially now I think uh, You know I'm really inspired by Jay-Z for that Mm-hmm. like Jay Z's a prime example of like he's pushing the boundaries of what a rapper could be and what age a rapper could be. And that kind of applies to anything in life. Um, not just being a rapper. Just mm-hmm. it's not a young man's game anymore. You know, it's every day's a new day to get it right and, and to make something happen. Yeah. It's um yeah.
0: That's what I tell fifteen year old me is just
1: And before we go, how the fuck was it to rock the garden last night? Oh a couple not, nice. I can't let um, you get I can't get off this uh this interview without talking I about it. I took the that. train
0: there. I took the train to Penn Station Wow So, I mean, we were out here, obviously LeBron Yeah, well, nah, I'm not Because nobody recognized me <laughs> uh, nah, we, okay. we, we gotta wait until I do the artistry thing for that um, But yeah, it's, I had always told myself I'd never stepped foot in MSG before, ever uh, But I had told myself one day, You know what's crazy? And uh, I believe in this thing called synchronicity um, If anybody's listening wants to look it up I just pretty much don't believe in coincidences um, I pulled out of I came from Virginia to here What a couple months ago And Got out of Penn Station took the Uber to my homies And as I pulled out of Penn Station I inside for some reason I saw the MSG sign And I just Instagram videoed that And I was like someday And I just put it on the video Posted it I get to my homies house Probably 30 minutes later I check my email And it has the jingle ball dates and go down the Jingle Ball Dates, Madison Square Garden. I'm like, wow.
1: Get out. Yeah. That,
0: so it's nuts.
1: That would be uh, my mind-blowing experience.
0: It was, yeah. It was, man, it's, universe is a crazy thing. I'm telling you, if you start paying attention to those those little things that pop up in your life, you'll start to see the big things manifest themselves. And uh, that's that's what I was talking about at the beginning, to really bring this interview all the way back. Is that intuition thing My sophomore year When I was like I'm just gonna Let, let myself run With what I feel And um, Been doing that ever since And every time I try and deny it That's when things go
1: Poof. Yeah And um. No, you know I I, uh, I got fired From my job When I started the podcast And From the minute I got fired From this job Which is a humongous blessing Because I shouldn't have been there anyway I was like You know what This year my soul's gonna be my boss mm-hmm. Like Whatever my soul tells me to do if it's like if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a fuck no. Yeah. So if I'm not like fuck yeah, even when you were talking about the uh, experience of coming up to New York City, working for free, for most people they'll say, "Well, working for free? Oh no, it's just there's no possible way." It's In yeah. the most ex- expensive city in the world. Yeah. But I want to do that. But your soul said fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, and you look at the money and the other opportunity to be maybe more lucrative in the temporary. Your soul said fuck no. money is such a dirty thing, man. Is is so dirty. And it, and another thing that I
0: found is so nasty and gross is comfort i hate i like mental comfort you know and in in the in the way of coming at peace with your mind like meditation wise not being eased because everything's good um but like situational comfort i don't like it i feel i feel like i'm wasting time i feel like because when you're comfortable you're not growing right. if it's if when you have adversity that's when you're growing and uh it's weird you know, sometimes you can escape in comfort sometimes, um, but I don't think it's escaping into comfort. I think it's, you've experienced so many things that um, you have the ability to be comfortable in more situations. And, um, yeah, so I, I always seek that next out of my comfort zone experience, exploring China by myself, you know, anything. going and doing things. Go do things. Experience is perspective, is knowledge. Well, look. Follow Rhetoric on Instagram because so, he be discussing like a lot of things. Sounds like I'm on a Joe Rogan podcast.
1: <laughs> Perspective, his knowledge. <laughs> that's like, like the second podcast you ever listened to.
0: Yeah, that that's uh, <laughs> that's the other one. I think the music one I just looked up. But yeah, the because I, I, isn't the Joe Rogan one on on YouTube?
1: Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe Rogan's like the number one joint. That's crazy. He's, isn't he
0: the Isn't he Fear Factor guy?
1: Yeah. Wow. He's he's blown up. Wow. Over the podcasting game, for sure. The world is changed. Not saying he was already blown up on Fear Factor. Right? Yeah. I think he's found a sweet spot in the podcast. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. For sure. So, cool. Well, I'll be, I'll be sure to show you my my list, too. 100%. Uh, of my favorite podcasts. I got a couple of things you really dig.
0: No, definitely. Um, I think that'll be something that I can listen to in the bunk. For sure. Perfect thing to listen to in the bus. Heck yeah.
1: But Rhetoric, man, thank you so much. Dude, being thank you the for having the show, me. Man. This is great. It's so I, good seeing I, you, yeah. bro. Like, There's nothing better than seeing your what homies did, that you know from back in the day and see them progressing on the day-to-day. Yeah,
0: what's crazy is the people listening, this is legitimately us catching up. This like, is
1: not a... Yo, the narrative went out the window.
0: It's like, yeah, yeah <laughs> the narrative really did go out the window. This was just a, you eavesdropped on two people catching up <laughs> after like six years.
1: Wow, man. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on everything. Thank you shelter. Everybody check it out. I dig it, man. Congratulations on everything. Thank you, bro. My man. Thank you so much to the Silent Giants behind this episode of the Silent Giants podcast. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird of NBM Studios, located in Astoria, Queens, NYC's number one recording studio for music, podcasting, and other audio recordings. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at NBM Studios NYC. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off till next time.